Welcome to Art Conversations, and I am your host, Lisa Jane Irvine. As a practicing visual artist, I've had the opportunity to meet many interesting individuals along the way. Every path I've ventured down has provided me with a greater knowledge in the arts, as well as a vast array of experiences that have helped to shape my practice both in and out of the studio. I encourage you to grab a cup of tea or even a coffee and settle in as we begin my conversations with my guests who are working, practicing, exploring, even playing in the arts. Caitlin Mason is an award-winning artist who uses multiple layers of colored pencils to create her trompe fabric drawings. Leaving the wood exposed adds an additional element of organic detail, which is unique to each piece. Caitlin enjoys playing with light and shadows in an attempt to transform an otherwise mundane item into a sculptural entity. Capturing these fragments of fabric preserves the intricate details of each fabric, which can never be recreated in that specific form again. Each drawing is unique, special, and layered with details to explore. Please help me welcome Caitlin Mason to the podcast. Hi, Caitlin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm so glad we got to do this. I initially met you through the Artist Project, which just returned this year after a hiatus, which was amazing. And I was really fascinated with your work because you work on panels, but not in the traditional way that most artists do. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so my drawings on wood panel, I actually make with colored pencils. So my favorite brand of colored pencils is Prismacolor Premier. And yeah, I've been doing that. Uh, The first drawing I did on panel was in 2016, and I kind of haven't looked back since. I've been doing that since 2016. So you originally went to school not for drawing or fine arts, right? Is that correct? Yeah, I uh, originally started in interior design. I took art all through high school and our program had like a portfolio class in grade 12 that you would take to prepare you for whichever sort of avenue you were taking. And I decided that I was going to go into interior design because I didn't really think that going into an arts program was a good option. I don't think I even knew that it was an option. So I went into interior design, ended up not enjoying it a whole lot, but we had to take a mandatory drawing class and that was my highest mark and I loved it. And I got to go into the art building every day and got to see all of the work that the fine arts students were creating. And I was just like, uh, I'm in the wrong place. So yeah, I ended up switching. I guess it was the following fall semester I ended up switching And I loved it. It was amazing. And you never looked back. (laughs) Never looked back. Yeah. I did a three-year fine arts diploma at Georgia College in Barrie, which is where I started in interior design. I loved it. Amazing program. And then they have a partnership with NASCAD University, which is in Halifax, Nova Scotia. So then I transferred out there for a year and got my bachelor of fine arts degree there. Well, that's interesting. I didn't even realize they had that partnership. So yeah, I believe they also have it with OCAD as well. But there was, I think, about six of us from my program at Georgian College that decided to move out to Nova Scotia. So we all kind of went together and did a year there. That sounds fun. So can you tell me a little bit about like your subject matter and what you like to draw on these panels? Yeah. So my drawings, I originally started with drawing fabrics. 
mainly scarves that I had. It sort of just evolved from drawing scarves into shopping at the fabric stores for different fabrics, just because there's so many more options. Then that kind of led into, I sort of work on two series of two collections of work at the same time. And the other one is lingerie. It's just really intricate and they're beautiful pieces. There's so much detail. So yeah, those are kind of the two series that I work on and have been working on for the last couple of years. And I have to say for anybody who hasn't seen your work, they have to check it out because the first time I saw it and I was in person, I thought it was initially paint the way you do the technique. And then when I got up close, I was stunned. I was like, wait a minute, these are drawings. They're not painted. So can you talk a little bit about that process and how you go up? Yeah. So the process has definitely changed over the years. I originally just started doing one layer of colored pencil and then I would spray it with a UV archival fixative to seal it. And at some point I must've run into an issue where the colored pencil, I went to touch up an area and it wasn't sticking anymore. So I had figured, okay, I'll spray this, let it dry and then do another layer on over top. And then once I did that, I realized that, oh, well, that area is a lot more vibrant and a lot more saturated with color. So I basically covered the whole thing again with pencil. So that kind of led me into doing at least two layers of pencil. And then two layers led into at least three layers of pencil. So most of my drawings now have at least three layers of colored pencil with a layer of spray after each layer of pencil. And it really builds up the color saturation and the vibrancy. And it also gets rid of sort of that grainy texture that colored pencils, I think, are known for. It's a really underrated medium and you can really do a lot with it. I think that's what you're saying is true that there's that depth. And that's why initially when I saw your work, I thought it was paint because you captured the depth that you can get with painting using a drawing medium. So it's fascinating. Yeah, they're mistaken for paint all the time. So it's really comical telling people, well, actually it's colored pencil and they just, the look on their face is just priceless. It's just, nobody believes me. (laughs) Now you do a lot of shows. What's that like? And is that how you sort of support yourself as an artist? It's busy this summer. I mean, it's been two years since I've really been exhibiting in person. So I've just kind of started to get back into it. Yeah, outdoor shows are a whole other level of exhaustion because you're exposed to the elements and you're setting up your tent. And it's very, very tiring. You're lugging your artwork to and from the car to the show and then home from the show and then you're driving home and yeah, they're a lot of work, but it's also really great for people to see the work in person. I've heard so many times, even when I ship out a drawing and people have bought it through my website, I've heard so many times, oh, it's so much better in person. So you really just can't compare to seeing something online versus seeing it in person. Do you have a system for when you do shows? Because I know you, as you said, you've been doing a lot of them recently and you've been traveling in different directions to do them. How do you prepare for that as an artist? Well, I guess because I've kind of done it for, I think the first show that I did was the Rosedale Art Fair in 2014. So I've been doing them since 2014. 
So I have like an installation kit where I have all of my business cards, all of my, my portfolio that I put out for people to look through and sort of all of the things that you would need for an outdoor show. All of my work, well, majority of my work is quite small. So it all fits into one big bin, all of the small pieces, which makes transporting them a million times easier. And I just have lots of help. My mom often comes to the shows with me. So a lot of the people who are at the shows will also meet my mom because she's there and she's gotten really good at explaining and talking about my work too, if I have to run off and go do something else. And yeah, so it's kind of all hands on deck. I was in Ottawa two weekends ago at a show and my whole family came. So we were all there. We took the dogs and it was just like a whole family little trip. That's great. I mean, having support is so important and it's amazing yeah. that your mom's like your advocate to, yeah. I would say the equivalent to that is my dad is my advocate. Yeah. <laughs> He's the one who always talks about my work. So it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you're not doing shows and you have your off times, like, is that when you're creating and producing or do you have a system in the studio that you work with? Well, I work full time still as well. So I'm juggling a lot. So usually the evenings, usually if I have a show, it's, I'm pretty much working all the time. Like I'm at my day job and then I come home and I'm working in the studio, try and get at least two hours. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. And it's so much harder in the summer too, because like I want to be outside and enjoying the weather. The weekends, I get a lot of my work done too. I'll do a lot of my reference photos on the weekends to try and use as much of the daylight as possible. So I write a lot of lists and try and eliminate the quickest things first, the administrative stuff, getting back to emails, and then I'll kind of work my way through my to-do lists for the weekend. I can relate to that. As a full-time teacher, I definitely have lists and time. Oh, yeah. I try to sneak things in and yeah, it's harder when it's nice outside and you want to just go and enjoy the sun. Yeah, it is. The winters would probably say are a bit more productive, I think, because there's really not any shows mm-hmm. and you really don't want to be outside. <laughs> so it's perfectly fine to stay in the studio and work. So knowing that you work primarily with these Prismacolors, how many millions of pencil crayons do you actually own as part of your set? Actually never counted them. I was given a the biggest set that they have for Christmas many years ago. So it has every single color that they've made. And then from that point forward, as I'm working on a drawing, I often need multiples of the same color. So I just started buying them individually as I need them. I feel like I don't buy a ton of art supplies because I'm not going through tubes and paint all the time and mediums and paint brushes. So I really don't think I spend that much on art supplies, which is really nice. I usually have a small stockpile of panels, especially the small ones in the studio, which was really awesome at the beginning of the pandemic because I didn't need to buy anything. I already had this huge stockpile because there was such a shortage. Nobody could get supplies and I was good to go. So yeah, I do have a ton of pencil crayons. They're all in Thai food takeout containers that are clear and they're just organized by color. So just recycling what I've already got to organize them and they're just lined up on my desk. That sounds perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Plus I like seeing all the colors. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
Have you ever had a time where people provide you with fabrics and you work with them? Has that ever happened or gifted you uh, fabrics? Yeah. So a few years ago, I did a French lingerie commission for an amazing collector of mine. And she was so awesome to work with. It was a really special set for her. And she did this amazing photo shoot with it. And I had met her actually at the Artist Project, I think the first year that I did it. So it would have been 2019. And she said, I would really love to have this commission you to do these pieces. So it was three pieces. I did the bra, the underwear, and the garter. Mm-hmm. And she just let me borrow them and for however long I needed. And I photographed them. So in some instances, if it's sort of like a sentimental piece, or I will source the fabric myself. I did another commission a few years ago, and we went through a couple of different ideas, and we ended up on a blue, purpley blue color satin material. So that was something that I had sourced myself for the client. But yeah, sometimes people already have something specific in mind, and then I just borrow it. Mm-hmm. Have you ever worked with like vintage fabrics or have you gone searching for types of fabrics that way? Or I feel like some of the patterns and fabrics maybe kind of have like a vintage vibe, but maybe are a bit more new. I can't think of anything that I've done from a vintage store. I know somebody at one of the shows has told me that there's a vintage fabric store in Toronto somewhere. So I'll have to check that one out for sure. Sounds like a great field trip for you. Oh yeah, for sure. So if you were to advise like a young artist who's starting out and they're really into drawing and maybe feeling like it's not viable, what kind of advice would you give them? I think drawing's always been kind of seen as the preliminary start to a sort of a masterful painting. But I art's changed so much in the last couple of years. And there's I think there's a lot of value in doing something that's a little bit unexpected and a little bit different. And you can really make the medium that you're using work for you. Like my colored pencil drawings don't look like colored pencil drawings. So I think that you just have to really work with the medium and get used to it and see what it can do and push it as much as you can. Mm -hmm. What's the best advice that you've been given as an artist? There's one thing that sticks in my mind and I still kind of tell myself this as I'm working through and it was super simple. It was just follow your gut. (laughs) I mean, it applies to pretty much everything in life, but I just remember always second guessing myself in school and I have an amazing teacher and he's like, you're really, really talented. Just follow your gut. (laughs) So I think that that's something that just has always stuck with me. And that's hard sometimes to do as an artist because it is a little voice get going, right? And it might not always necessarily work out, but I think that even the things that don't necessarily work out will eventually lead to something that will work out. Do you ever want to do like a large scale piece or do you just enjoy the nature of the smaller pieces? Yeah, I think after this year, this show season, I'm going to focus on making some larger pieces. Maybe not so much the larger in the sense of the drawing portion, But the panel size, I'd like to do something with a bit more negative space just so that I can maybe appeal to like at the shows, it takes up more space on the wall. And I also have a gallery too that is interested in, they primarily work, take larger pieces. So I'd like to get them some new pieces and 
Yeah. So I definitely have some ideas for some larger pieces, but because of the nature of my medium, it does take a really long time to cover a small area. So it's just a matter of wrapping my head around how long the piece is going to take. And I think that's why I always like working on the small pieces because I feel more productive that way. Mm-hmm. Wintertime's perfect for a big piece. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah. I think it's going to be my winter project for sure. <laughs> and do you keep a sketchbook as an artist or do you just find the immediacy of working with like the photo to the artwork is better for you? Yeah, I think I feel like my sketchbook is a little non-traditional in the sense where it's sort of more little thumbnail sketches of ideas for future drawings with little scribbles of explanations of what it's supposed to look like rather than fully developed ideas. I feel like my ideas sort of start in the notebook and then they sort of develop more as I start manipulating the fabric and taking the photos. So it's, I guess it's sort of a sketchbook in a way. Yeah. It's the starting point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My little cheesy thumbnail sketches that don't look like anything. We all have them for sure. (laughs) You also enjoy reading and audio books. What are some of your favorites that you would recommend to artists? Oh gosh, there's so many. I listen to audiobooks all the time. I'm just looking on my bookshelf. So Art, Money, Success is a really good one. And that is by Maria Brophy, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. I love all of the books by the Jealous Curator, Danielle Kirsa. Her books are amazing. I guess they kind of lean towards maybe the self-help stuff. But I find the business aspect of it is something, unfortunately, that you don't really learn in school. But it's so important to know. And so anything, anything that sort of teaches me about the business side of being an artist, I find really, really interesting. You bring up an interesting point, and a lot of artists would agree with you that art schools don't teach the business side. So what are some of the hurdles that you've had to overcome as you're learning and navigating the world of exhibiting and doing outdoor shows? Yeah, just the importance of a mailing list, having a website that you can direct people to, having an online store that people can purchase work from, networking and talking to other artists and The artist community is so welcoming and so loving and helpful. And that was something that I felt was really lacking when I was in interior design. And as soon as I went into the fine arts program, everyone was just so amazing and so helpful. Yeah, I think that the marketing aspect of being an artist just isn't there in school. It's so important to know that side of it, where to get business cards from and just all those things that you need to do to really get your work out there. Mm -hmm. And how do you balance that with the creative side? It's definitely time consuming. I always joke and say to people that social media is a full-time job. It is. And I sometimes like I had a show on the weekend and I really haven't posted a whole lot this week because I just need a bit of a break. You go so like post every single day leading up to a show. And then when the show happens, you just so like completely burnt out after the show being on all the time. And yeah, it's definitely a full-time job. You have to get people to see your work. I think that that's really important. So sometimes I'll plan out my posts Mm -hmm. um, 
and what I want to post on which day. And then other times I just get like a quick idea and I'll snap a quick photo and post that up. So sometimes it's more planned than others. I can relate to that again. (laughs) (laughs) I have a great plan and then it doesn't follow through because I deviate onto something else. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that you get most of your sales through the shows then or is your website and your own like shop as productive? It's been really challenging the last couple of years. I think I would say before the pandemic, majority of my shows, majority of my sales, sorry, were definitely from in-person shows. I would say it's probably still similar to that now. During the pandemic, I was doing collection releases online on my website. So I was marketing those with a lead up for a couple of months. Cause I mean, it, it realistically, it takes me a while to create the work. So I'm really talking about the work for quite a while before it's actually released. Mm-hmm. But I would say that majority of my sales do come from in-person shows. And your collections that you were releasing during the pandemic, how many pieces would be in a collection and what kind of lead up would you give to people? Yeah. So the first collection release that I did, there was seven pieces they were all of the same fabric, varying different sizes. It was a, a blue satin fabric. So there were seven of those. I think the second one, there was 12. And the third collection release, there was eight pieces. So they were all fairly small. The 12 pieces was a lot to take on. It was probably a little bit too many, but I just loved all of the reference photos so much. So I just, I just envisioned this big wall of these 12 little five by fives. So I just went for it. (laughs) And do you normally work in collections or was that just something you were trying because you had the time during the pandemic? Yeah, I think I like to work in sort of the collection release sort of style. I would say maybe not so much when I'm making work for shows I'm kind of working to replenish some of the pieces that are similar to the ones that sold. So at the Artist Project in April, I sold, I think, four of my small lingerie drawings. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, now I don't have that many left. So I need to sort of replenish that series. So I picked a few pieces of lacy stuff that I had and did a whole bunch, a variety of different colors for that. And I sold all my black and white stripe fabric drawings. So I knew that I needed to make a few more of those because those have always been super popular. So I'm more creating work for my shows based on what's been selling. Are you ever surprised by something that sells? You're like, wow, I didn't think that would go. And then it just like went right away. Yeah, we actually had a couple of my booth neighbors at the Artist Project. We had a discussion of that and we always find that our favorite pieces take the longest to sell. So we're like, why is that? So we were having a good laugh about that. The pieces that I love the most, I still have. (laughs) Is there a theory or did you all just say, we don't know? I'm not sure. We all kind of joked and said that we were just going to start telling our favorite pieces that we hate them and then maybe they'll sell. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. I understand that completely. If you have something you love, sometimes it doesn't go. I don't understand that. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because when I first started doing the shows, the first big piece that I sold, which was an oil painting of a scarf and I had finished it in college, I was kind of sad to see it go. And sometimes people ask me if I just want to keep them all. And I honestly don't get attached to them anymore. Like I have pieces that I really, really love and I'm really proud of but I'm happy that they're in somebody else's house. 
it means much more to me that somebody else is enjoying it and I don't get attached to it anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. I know pre-pandemic, I had a, a studio open house and I sold a couple of pieces and I was kind of surprised. Like you said, you're like, huh, those were not the ones I expected to go. And the ones that I loved, I still have because yeah. I didn't go. So. Yeah, I don't know what it is. There must be some sort of psychological reasoning behind it. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to dig deeper into that for sure. Yeah, for sure. So you do have a couple more shows coming up. Do you want to talk about that in case anybody is listening that's local and would like to go and check out your work? Yeah, so the next big show coming up is the Toronto Outdoor Art Fair, which happens at Nathan Phillips Square. And it is July 15th to the 17th in person, but they're also doing an online component as they have in the last two years throughout the pandemic, but they've decided to keep going with the online component. So I believe all of the profiles are live now for viewing. I don't think purchasing has started yet on the online component. But yeah, you can go and view all of the artists that are participating on the website. And it's a huge show. It's always amazing. And last, well, it was 2019 was the last time that the show was in person. So I think that it's going to be really, really good. And people have been really, really supportive and happy to be coming out to these shows again. Yeah, I can imagine. I know I was excited when the thing started to open up again. So it's yeah. great. Well, I'm hoping I'll see you there because I'm hoping yeah. to come down to the show. So that would yeah. be Yeah, that would um, be great. Yeah, it'll be fun. Hopefully the weather cooperates too. <laughs> yes. I know in 2019, the Saturday, we had like a hurricane that blew in. <laughs> um, so you can hear glass breaking and it was scary. And then 20 minutes later, it was scorching hot again. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin, and good luck. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. This is really awesome. And it's been fun. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Art Conversations with Lisa Jane Irvine. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and hit the like button. And don't forget to check out my website, Facebook, and Instagram accounts. Thank you for listening. See you next time.